0: Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed,
1: equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson.
0: Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to iwanttogarden.com and you'll receive our free webinar about the 7 key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's garden to 44222 or iwanttogarden.com. Today on the Urban Farm podcast, we have Andrew Gunther to talk about humanely raised farm animals. Andrew is the executive director of a greener world where he spearheaded the growth and development of the Animal Welfare Approved, or AWA, certification into what Consumer Report calls the only highly meaningful food label for farm animal welfare, outdoor access, and sustainability. Andrew works to increase the availability of AWA-certified dairy meat and eggs in traditional retail settings he is currently a member of the u.s delegation for the international standardization organization who is responsible for the development of standards relating to animal welfare welcome to the show today andrew
2: hey thanks great to be on
0: so i shared a bit about you can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now
2: yeah, I mean, I, I listen to that that sort of bio, and I think, "Wow, is that really me?" Because I don't know that it's been a job or a path. Uh-huh. I've been really lucky in life to have a to to have a a path that's allowed me to work with amazing farmers mm. and, and great team members, and you know, just a really interested group of consumers. And what we've been able to do is, you know, find a, a set of standards that are published online, um, and then audit some farmers to those standards, and then put a seal on that product, which lets the consumer really understand how the animal was raised that produced either the milk or the dairy, or in fact was slaughtered for the meat that's on their table.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. So how did you get to the point of not doing this to really being, shall we say, super conscious about where our food comes from?
2: i think my own journey was you know i'm a country guy by by birth you know always knew where my food came from always knew that you know a dairy cow produced milk and a chicken produced eggs and and you know beef cow produced beef and the sheep produced lamb and you know all of those you know a whole produces pork Mm -hmm. um you know so it was kind of just ingrained in me and then as my age and years moved on uh from farming you know, I found that actually quite a lot of people have lost contact with exactly how their food is produced. Mm. Um, You know, and and it became, you know, a passion and a driver for me. And then, you know, how do you, if you're stood in a supermarket, you're stood at the farmer's market, you know, how do you know that that you're actually being told the truth when you see that sort of, that gorgeous bucolic picture of a cow stood in grass with the word natural underneath it, Uh and you go... What the heck does natural mean? Um, You know, oh, that must be good. It says natural. Natural things are good. Well, Mm. actually, natural, as far as the USDA FSIS, that's the USDA food labelling folks are concerned, uh, actually means minimally processed, no more, no less. It doesn't mean it was raised Mm. on grass or outdoors. Minimally processed. So, you know, as I said, it was just very easy for me to try and work with a group of great people to say, well, actually, this is what our standard means. It's not negotiable. Uh, We're voluntary. You you know, you don't, you know, we don't force you to come and join us and we don't charge for our certification services. We're not for profit. So, you know, we raise the money to do the auditing, um, which helps the farmer differentiate themselves in the marketplace.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. So tell us about a greener world.
2: So. What we have to do sometimes is we have to talk about the differences in farm animal production systems. We have to talk about um, how these systems work. And we're um, certified by... ISO, which is International Standardization Organization, which is a really huge mouthful. But what it means is actually my auditors are audited each year by another organization to make sure that they are consistent and up to speed on what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. we're certified to 1765. So each year I have auditors that come through the organization. Uh, But what that means is we're not really allowed um, in animal welfare approved or the the grass-fed certification or the non-GMO certification, we're not allowed to market those particular seals on behalf of farmers and things. So A Greener World is the organization that lifts up the farmers doing those amazing things that are working all of those hours out in the fields with the animals to produce the amazing product mm-hmm. that the consumers can buy. So we've got a greener world which actually exists just to do exactly that, which is to educate consumers and to publish documents about you know, things like, we published a document called a breath of fresh air which was to deal with a lot of this information that you we're all hearing about how bad beef is well actually not all beef is bad right. and not all vegetables are good i mean you know <laughs> good food is a production system it's not actually a product so a vegetable can be pretty awful raised with tons of herbicides and pesticides in the same way that beef can be pretty you know pretty awful raised on tons of hormones and antibiotics but again right. You know, it's sort of, it, you know, not all meat is good. Not all vegetables are bad. Not all vegetables are bad. Not all meat is good.
0: Yeah. When, and, uh, what I hear you saying is a, really a big piece of this is what's going into it.
2: I think there's a lot of science, uh, you know, in terms of in a couple of areas. Let's look at animal handling. We know that if you put an animal under stress mm-hmm. uh, during or just before slaughter, the quality of the meat just goes through the floor. It's horrid. They're called dark cutters. Or in pigs, they get blood spots. You know, or in chickens, they get blood spots. Um, but also, if you look at just some of the the fatty acids in a beef profile, you know there are some fatty acids that aren't good for you. Some of the sixes, you know. Whereas there are some. An absence of sixes and a little bit of three, and I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon that uh. if you want omega-3, eat grass-fed beef. If you want omega-3, go ahead and, and eat fish. It's, it's a pretty good source of... But in terms of you know, a healthful uh, meat protein as part of a balanced diet, then mm-hmm. you should really be eating grass-fed or pasture-based beef.
0: Yeah. This whole certification program, what does it look like from a, a farmer's perspective?
2: now it's it's quite interesting because we've just sort of done a little bit of a pivot on this i think the first word i would say was terrifying oh. um, because oh, you're wow. having you're having this well you're having this gold standard organisation out to your farm to look at your farm and look at your farming practices and most farmers are you know quite quiet people who want to get on with their life and mm-hmm. enjoy what they're doing so you know it's a big step to say hey i'm going to come and get somebody to to validate what i'm doing but what we've put in place is a system by you you instantly before you join The program you're already talking to somebody if you want to you can come in cold uh that's up to you you know you can fill out the application form online and and then but we've got some folks who'll talk to you and and answer any concerns you might have any Mm -hmm. any you know am i doing okay and at the end of the day we're not there to pass judgment we're just there to say hey does your farm comply with our published standards And then we have an eligibility coordinator um, and they phone up and they've got a really deep agricultural background. And most of the time, as far as I can understand, they talk about kids in college.
1: Um, (laughs) But Generally,
2: they're supposed to talk about how the farms run. But it's just the really friendly face of our organization because we're farmer centric. We believe that farmers are the custodians of the countryside. And without our farmers, we wouldn't have the society we have today. And, And we're always sad when people don't have a big shout out and a big recognition for the farmers that are out there day and night producing food for the world.
0: Amen to that. That, Um, that is epic. Oh, I appreciate
2: that. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just who we are. I mean, you know, it it, it is, they they are responsible for the countryside. And we've been very disrespectful as a society to our agricultural and rural communities um, with our sort of one size fits all attitude.
0: Yeah. So that's from the farmer's perspective. Now from, a consumer's perspective, what can I expect out of the AWA?
2: So, basically, if you buy a product that has an AWA label on it, um, the farm has applied to our program. It's been audited by a highly professional auditor. Um, they've either got a, 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 an agriculture degree or a minimum of five years' agricultural experience in the mm-hmm. species they're auditing. Uh, the animal's been audited to our public standards online. Um, that the slaughter plant, if the animal is in fact a meat product, the slaughter plant's been visited annually, or you know, at least every 18 months, um, in its cycle, um, to ensure that the animal is slaughtered, um, you know, as as painlessly as as is scientifically possible, and that, that that person is being visited annually to ensure that compliance. So you're guaranteed the product that you actually think you're getting. Mm-hmm. So. You know if you you buy an awa piece of beef it's never been in a feedlot it's always had some green stuff under its feet um you know it, although in the winter you know in some in some parts of the us That's it can get so dang cold that we we, we you know we asked the farmer to take some protective action and, and find a building so the the animals can get out of the insane weather right. um you know as we found out in some of the terrible snows there were vast you know mortality numbers in in farms where farmers just didn 't have buildings yes. or or banks or trees to keep the animals protected you know so what what you will be buying is a product that's gone through all of that third party validation and and we we don 't charge the farmer they don 't pay us so we 've really got no reason
1: wow. to
2: say yes um, you know we it's not it's not we 're not incentivized to improve approve farms we 're not incentivized to make our standards you know you look at some organizations where they have you know, these gradiated programs where they have lower levels and which right. are basically confinement feeding, yep. and they're marketing those with the bucolic pictures of animals outdoors. You know, that, that isn't what this is about. And one of the reasons I think Consumers Union like us is that we're pretty much who we say we are on the turn.
0: So what I'm really curious about is, you know, the beginnings of a greener world, how it got started, who started it, and why did it get started?
2: Well, that's a, a really deep question. So basically, you know, we've, uh, Animal Welfare Approved was kind of the original vehicle that got us to where we are, and we grew and we grew and we grew. And, um, you know, we were with a, a charity, and we were a program of that charity, and we just kind of outgrew it. You know, we became more people in AWA than was in there. But also one of the other things is that, you know, some of our farmers do other great things. So mm-hmm. they do some environmental stuff, and they do some social stuff. And, you know, we wanted to be – cognizant that it wasn't just about the welfare of the animal, there's also the fact that we don't use, you know, routine use of herbicides and pesticides are prohibited in our program and we restrict the use of GMs, you know, but we were outgrowing, basically. (laughs) you know. We started off as a a petulant teenager and grew into an adolescent and grew into an adult Mm -hmm. and um, we had to have our own charity to to get that, so, you know, the team got together and we started uh, A Greener World and we got recognized in November with our own um, IRS Uh, not-for-profit status so it's an organization in its own right you know if if folks want to give us some money at christmas we we love it Uh Uh, because we don't charge we don't charge fees for what we do and we we spend an awful lot of time and energy you know promoting our farmers because we think you know we can change in a free market you should with transparent information to be able to be transformative
0: right so whose idea was this
2: That's a really good question. I think all of us, really, the the whole team, um, you know, I mean, I'm the one that's allegedly driven it, but I I, I have a team of great people who make decisions with me. It's not sort of like, you know, just one of us.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at your list. There's what, 25 or 30 people on your staff?
2: Uh, We have, I think, 21 whole time, and then we probably have 18
0: uh, consultants
2: that hang around with us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I bet they have fun, huh?
2: Well, they're the guys that go and do the auditing. So I I think if you've traveled in your life, um, you know, they get to see some great farms and hang out with some great farmers and lots of time eat great farm food. But it gets tiresome, I think, after a few years.
0: No, there you go. There you go. So how long have you been around?
2: Doing what we're doing. This is year nine, I think.
0: Wow. Wow. How cool is that? You know, so I I just want to do a shout out to you. This is is an epic moment because basically you took this idea – and you turned it into really a national certification. And you did it because you said so. I'm taking it. That's, is that yeah. right?
2: Um, yeah, that's that's a really good. I appreciate you for, for saying that. We don't normally think about it like that. Yeah, I, that's what we did. It, it worked. We have some really, really great folks in the program, yeah. staff and farmers. So, yeah, I mean, we drove it. Um, we drive it like we are. Uh, IBM, we drive it like we're like iPhone. Um, it's a brand. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's important. Well, and it's a farmer-owned brand, as it were, although they don't actually own it. They uh-huh. are the reason it exists. Without our farmers, we wouldn't exist. And without yeah. the people that care about what they eat, we wouldn't exist. So, yeah. yes, that's what we do.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, I, and the reason I brought that particular one up is because I say all the time, the way things get done in the world is somebody says, this is going to happen. Because I said so. And they go out and do it. And it's amazing to me how many people come to me with ideas. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a really great idea. And then, you know, two years later, nothing's happened. So it it really is an amazing, epic thing when, you know, when you start out and you say, we're going to do this. And, you know, here you are nine years later and it's done.
2: Um, Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a huge accolade. The only thing I'm going to challenge you on is it's not done. (laughs) Um, You know, there 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 are other countries where we're in the midst of biosmosis because I think You know, as a society, whether you're a European society or American society, we've Uh wanted to dominate the rest of the world and put our thinking and our approach onto the rest of the world. We're taking a slightly different approach. We're just working now in South Africa, uh, and we've appointed an ED, and they're going to appoint their own team and get their own charity together in South Africa. And then by osmosis, they're going to take everything we've got and use it in South Africa. And then we're working with another organization in Zimbabwe, to do the same thing and a little bit in in Mexico because actually we think one of the things we can do is say hey this is you know this is about everything we've made um, and a few more that we haven't made yet so we've made those mistakes don't make them and here's a program that works really well make it fit you know your society your community your system and and we'll be your mentors to hand it off and that's kind of our our really big 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 vision is is you know, let's give control of agriculture back to farmers and and consumers and take some of the BS marketing out of it.
0: Yeah. Another epic moment. Wow. You just keep my, my friend, although I've never met him personally is John Lee Dumas. He does entrepreneur on fire. He calls these he calls these value bombs. Yeah. That is just another one. It's like, wow, so much value in what you just shared with us. Thank you.
2: Hey, I appreciate it. I mean, yeah. we just see it as the right thing to do. I mean, you know, right. we are a good team.
0: Right, and uh, and the cool thing is you're building community, and really a big way of us transforming the world moving forward is building out our communities.
2: It's a really interesting point, that, isn't it? Because I think giving power back to the community yep. will get rid of an awful lot of the garbage we're, yeah. we're suffering today. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know? Exactly. So I'm walking into the grocery store, call it... Whole Foods, or your local grocery store, what am I yes, looking sir. for on the on an a w a certified
2: so you'd have to go online to get a picture of it because I, I can't really describe it, but it's a, a sort of um a five sided seal with a little hill uh, and a barn at the back of it, and the mm-hmm. words animal welfare approved up the middle of it and if it isn't got that on, it ain't animal welfare approved it's that got simple it. we you know we don't have any other style of talking about it. Um, we're very careful about how we track it. We have to approve all labels. And then particularly for meat products, we work with FSIS to make sure that the uh, the seal is is put there legally. Right. Um, and, you know, if you go to www.animalwelfareapproved.us, um, you can see the seal front and center. Um, and while you're there, you might like to explore a, a labeling guide that we, we made. Oh. Um, it used to be called Labeling for Dummies. The guys wrote it for me. Um, you know, and it sort of picks out some of the the more more um, you know, imaginative label claims that people come up with and actually mean absolutely
0: nothing. Well <laughs> like what
2: um you know hormone free on a turkey when it's illegal to feed turkeys hormones. Hormones. Um, you know, antibiotic free, which basically all meat, by law, is antibiotic-free, and antibiotic-free is not the issue. It is the abuse and misuse of antibiotics, antibiotics yeah. that's causing antibiotic resistance that's the issue. Um, you know, so what we try and do is help consumers you know, find their way through the myriad of, of, of BS um, that they're being sure. inundated with right. in, in the store.
0: Right. So you have three different kinds of certifications. Yes, sir. Please tell me what they are.
2: So we have animal welfare approved, which is the animal-centric, all about the care of the animal uh, and how that animal interacts with the land. So the seal, the animal has to be on pasture and range. You can't overfeed the animal on any given substance to make it grow too quickly and upset its stomach. You know, One of the reasons we get problems with E. coli uh, in beef and others is that we feed a cow a very hot ration which makes its rumen very acidic, Uh, and then the bacteria in the rumen or the E. coli become over time resistant to acid, well, guess what? Our stomachs uh, cure E. coli because we eat E. coli all the time. All the time in our life, we're consuming bacteria. We just have a nice, one hopes, you know, uh, flora and fauna in our gut that is is able to deal with those things. So low-level E. coli, our own acid will deal with it. But on a confinement feeding beef operation, we're producing an E. coli that our gut can't tolerate. Right. Um, so acid-resistant E. coli. So we, we, we avoid those. They're, you know, no animal's been mutilated, so you know, we haven't chopped horns off with a chainsaw or, you know, it castrated Clipped something. At like... Pardon me?
0: Clipped beaks?
2: Uh, absolutely not, because um, yeah. you have tip, trim, and D-beak. Um, and right at the tip of the animal's beak, is a really sensitive series yes. of nerves right. which allow them to uh, you know, sense when they're pecking and eating their food. So no, that's completely prohibited. Yeah. Uh, so is any kind of work around the animal's claws or toes, particularly in, in poultry, um, obviously in other species, sheep and goats, mm-hmm. there is some trimming needed. So we would require you to keep the feet, animal's feet healthy. Wow. You know, basically, you'll, the animal's having a fairly bucolic life up until that last you know, um, you know, 30 seconds, Right. you know, when, and, and even then, you know, all the science is pretty clear that if you use the correct method, you know, the, the insensibility is instantaneous, Right. you know, and, and then it just becomes one of those moral conversations. And that's up to you as a person. I'm not going to tell you not yeah. to eat meat and I'm not going to tell you to eat meat. Right. I'm just going to say, our farmers do it this way. And if that suits your thinking, then you should exactly. buy it.
0: Exactly. And that's, you know, that's really what I, uh, propose around my you know my teachings is uh you know because i'm i'm vegetarian and uh, leaning toward vegan and that's what works for me and i really encourage people to discover what works for them so that's a really important piece um, of this.
2: i mean this is a tough one but everybody should know where their food comes from oh yes and make a decision based on that
0: yep um, exactly exactly so that was one certification you have two other kinds what are they
2: So basically the second one, which is grass fed, it was sort of market response because some of our farmers, um, their consumers have picked up that grass fed is something they should be looking for. Right. And we were on farm anyway. So the grass fed certification is an adjunct to you cannot get it without being AWA. So you have to be animal welfare approved Mm. and then you can be uh, grass fed. Right. Um, Because obviously you can feed grass. To animals in not enough and with not enough protein and that's not good either um, you know you can have welfare issues with insufficient protein and nutrition
1: so mm-hmm.
2: um, we felt you know one had to be on top of the other and then again I think you know we introduced the non-gmo claim because some of our farmers were being required by their buyers to be non-gmo um, and it was costing them thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars so we just set up a um, you know, a system that was sort of at cost, which made it much cheaper for farmers yeah. to get certified. Because a lot of our farmers um, cooperate, collaborate, work together, and they're slightly um, smaller, and they may be making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 a year. Mm-hmm. But they then can't afford to pay 1500 or $2,000 more to have a non-GM certification on yeah, top exactly. of it. Exactly. You know, so, you know, we've got to try and help folks in this marketplace get above... You know, again, I'm, you know, come back to this time and time again, you know, the snake oil salesman, the liars and the cheats, yep. um, you know, they've got grass fed beef when in fact it saw a blade of grass thrown over the,
1: <laughs> the top
2: of the pan at one,
1: yeah.
2: um, you know, I don't know how much of your listeners know, you all know that basically right now, most of the marketing claims in the U S are made by affidavit, right. um, you know, the, the letter from mum. uh, nobody actually goes and says, what well, are you really doing this? Right. Um, you know, is this physically what's happening? And that's a problem.
0: That's a big problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all that awesome information. I, th- I actually learned a lot from that. That's cool. Yeah, real cool. Thanks. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that fairy and what you might have learned from it.
2: So, I mean, it's a really, really interesting question, because actually, there isn't a time there's... Lots of times, you know, lots of times we try things and they don't work Mm -hmm. and you have to pivot and move your position. Now, what I like to think is I normally pivot and move based on fact and new information. I tend not to pivot and move, you know, because I've, I've had another idea. Um, we try to plan if we can, but I think, you know, just let me bring one forward, you know, I don't know whether, you know, one of my moves really sort of, you know, coming to the US to work for a retailer, you know, thinking I could change the world <laughs> from the inside um, and finding out that actually I wasn't cut out to work inside a retailer. I really wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't cut out to be a corporations. So what did I learn from that was to not keep going because it can make you really unhealthy and unhappy Mm. if you're doing something that's not working out for you and it's not cool and it's not right so i think you know probably one of my biggest failures was to take a job without thinking about it really in depth and was it right for me but Mm -hmm. it was exciting and and i could think i could change the world and then you know the second biggest failure was to hang on too long you know because it 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 cost me emotionally but Mm -hmm. then this is the big "then," and I didn't want to say it at the beginning of the statement. Actually, there's no such thing as failure, provided you learn from it. Yeah, it's education <laughs> and experience. I think it's kind of how you how you see it. You yep. know, was it uh, Rabbi Burns who was hiding in a cave uh, where he came up with the statement, "If at first you don't succeed, try, try again," and he was actually watching a spider um, uh, trying to anchor yeah. a web. You know, so it's kind of like you know, never see anything as failure provided you learn from it yeah. and never be frightened to try anything.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. So what do you consider your biggest success?
2: Oh, that's easy. Family, my Ooh. wife and two boys. Um, yeah. awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's that easy. Um, you know, everything else that I've worked on or achieved has mm-hmm. been with other people. So yeah. my, you know, if you said our biggest success, it's probably AWA AGW as a team. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. I, th- I think that's what it has to be. It's really personal. It's, it's, it's yeah. you know, just, just family. We've been together now twenty, twenty-five years as a couple and as, as a family. You know, twenty-three.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I got asked recently in an interview what was what is my most prized possession, and they were looking for something tangible. And for me, that (laughs) answer, yeah, exactly. For me, that answer was my relationship with my sweetie, Heidi. You know, it's like truly. You got it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So what drives you?
2: I have no clue what drives me because I'm nuts. Um, I actually think we can make a difference. Um, You know, I'm the product of a single mom, had a very liberal upbringing. I have a terrible social conscience. You know, I, I think we've got to be good to the rest of the world mm, yes. um, and we've got to try and do the right thing. You know, I, that's what drives me. I get up every day wanting to get hmm. more farms converted. I get up every day wanting to see more acreage and I get up every day wanting to you know, help other people lift themselves up yeah. to, to a much better, you know, and I'm not on about becoming a millionaire or driving. a. Bugatti veyron or whatever it is like, <laughs> uh-huh. is that really success is that how you value success yeah. i think success is valued by happiness yeah and contentness and, and all of those things so yeah that's what drives me every day to be as good as i can be and to yeah. get better and and to learn yeah
0: So I'm going to throw a curveball at you right now. This this isn't one of those unexpected questions, but it's just, you know, it's it's whispering at me that I need to ask it. And that is, I want you to think about the past nine years and that one farmer or that one farm that just like really stands out. Do you have one of those epic moments with those farmers?
2: Yeah, easy. So it starts with a failure. Um, I booked a plane to the wrong airport
0: oh my gosh <laughs> okay
2: so i land in denver and i get to the car hire place and i i put in thermopolis wyoming
0: oh my gosh <laughs> ka
2: <Ka-ching>. nine hours
0: <laughs> wow.
2: um drive brother drive yeah you know. um so we drove and we got to thermopolis wyoming Uh, Which, if anybody wants to go on vacation to somewhere spectacularly beautiful, Thermopolis, Wyoming. Wow. So, you know, we get there and, you know, as luck would have it, we were going to come in the night before. So all that happened is we just hadn't slept. Right. Um, You know, and I I get there the next morning and I drive down a a road and I get to the Ranch HQ and I get up. This amazing guy um, just steps up and, you know, we get chatting. And as an auditor, as somebody who's looking at a ranch or a farm, the first thing you say is, hey, tell me you where your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. You know, and what you're trying to do is get a feel for what they're farming and, and what it looks like and all those sort of things. And he, he said to me, um, can you see that mountain? And I said, yeah, yeah, of course I can. He said, yeah, that, the other side of that mountain is one boundary. And then he looked right. And he said, can you see that hill? And I'm like. You mean the one in the distance? He said, "Yeah." He said, "We're on the top of that one too," and I'm I'm stood in the middle of half a million five hundred and fifty-four thousand acres of you know native grassland being farmed for beef cattle. Wow. Um. And you know I I've written a a few blogs on the half and down, and I wrote one on the way home on my experience of there because everything about this place was pretty much as nature sort of intended. It was full of native flowers, um, and it was the home ranch of the Arapaho family mm-hmm. and My own learning of um how the family operate, how the farm operates, how the councils operate, and how people interact still with our first nation uh, is is not cool you know we we still don't aren't as respectful as we should be the only good news for me is that when we stole all the land mm. from them we left them with all the grassland.
0: Oh yes. Um
2: and truly sustainable agriculture which is going to help us keep carbon in the ground mm-hmm. and is going to help us produce you know r- meat protein with a light footprint is actually owned pretty much by most of our first nation families. So you know that was the most amazing day of wow. my life <laughs> we just started up with wow. a massive mistake. It's yeah. Just, the friend of mine who was in the car. was going to shoot me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what. When you were sharing it, I was feeling it. So,
2: yeah. Well, That's... I mean, it, it, it's you know, there's another one um, on the negative side of it. I went to see uh, a bison operation. I can't say where. Um, and I and I was being shown around this bison operation, and they were stood in uh, in defensive circles. And I asked the operator how long did they stand like that, and they said pretty much it's the time they're in here
1: because oh. he
2: took a wild animal and, and panned right. it up so yeah I, I can get pretty emotional about some of my work but that mm. was just for me just just unbelievably majestic and yeah they talked about a wolf and how the family would ride with so when uh, a wolf pack uh, grew and the dogs became a menace um mum would say hey dudes it's time to leave um, I'm waiting for my wife to say that, um, you know, hey, hey dudes, it's time to leave. Uh-huh. And then one of the tribe, one of the family would ride with the male wolf as it left the range mm. so that it didn't interact with their cattle. How cool is that? I yeah. mean, they, they didn't want to shoot it. They They didn't want to net it. They didn't want to be violent. They just rode with it in spirit until it left. Yeah. Um, where there could be a risk to cattle, and I learned a lot from that, that particular experience, and, and my relationship with them over years. And it's sad that we, you know, we don't actually work with them at the moment because their supplier for pasture beef um, evaporated. Mm. So sadly, they now sell all these cattle into feedlots. But yeah, it was it was a fairly meaningful, amazing day. And then on the smaller scale was the story of a young lady who we were really honoured to to certify. She has uh, about four acres called Happy Chap Chicken Ranch. And she, her mum was poorly, and they needed some money. Uh-huh. So she started the leg industry. Um, she ended up selling dozens and dozens of eggs and not only paid off her mum's hospital bills, but helped her way through college. Wow. And we feel like part of her family, too, because she yeah. graduates. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow, cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for those great stories. I I knew there had to be some good ones there. So I'm all about education. And I have to know, is there a book that's been influential for you in this process?
2: There has. I mean, um, Kalnack's Diseases of Poultry um, helps me be a really good poultry person. Mm -hmm. But I think I have to say probably Michael Pollan's Mm -hmm. Avor's Dilemma, because he was the cause realistically of of, my journey to the U.S. was to sort of, you know, work with Whole Foods Market to bring their local programs out as a result of Michael's criticism of Whole Foods. So, you know, it was one of those things that it had a huge influence on my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Michael is amazing. He's one of those people that will admit when he doesn't know. Uh-huh. Uh, he's one of these people who will tell you what he thinks from his heart. But he made that statement: "If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it." And it was one of those like <laughs> Wendell Berry type, yep. Michael Pollan type statements. You know, you know when Wendell speaks, and you get these little gems. And so when Michael says, "If you can't pronounce it, you should eat it," it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's a pretty good thing. Yeah. So that that was the book. It had a ton of influence on my life. But you know, I'm an avid reader of. Um, of of
0: you know fiction, yeah, yeah. And um, you and me too. Yeah. So you and me too. Yeah, that was Michael Pollan omnivores dilemma.
2: Dilemma. Perfect. Yeah. So,
0: what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
2: I I always say it's really really simple. Spend as much time looking at how your food is produced mm. as you do in buying a new car or booking a holiday. Mm. I, I am always stunned when people spend three weeks research on which car to buy and they buy garbage food in two seconds. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can do that, we can change the world. If you can demand food that's raised you know, it, 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 outdoors on pasture and range, yeah. if you can um, you know, demand retailers track where their food comes from, it's a free market. You, the consumer, have the ability right now to change the way the world farms. Yeah. Take it. That's all you got to do. <laughs>
0: ah, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Andrew.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you for the show you do and all the work you guys are doing. Oh, you, bet. We, you know, We're always always so honored to be on these shows.
0: Well, thank you. So how can our listeners find you?
2: So if you want to go, just start at the top, www.agreenerworld.org. Um, that'll take you into you know, the overhead, uh, the high level. You can see... Some of the opportunities that face farmers, you can see some of the challenges that agricultural systems produce, and then the seals are you know the websites for all the seals are on mm-hmm. drop downs from that site um, you know and we 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 answer questions personally, you know if somebody wants to find out something, we'll always talk to them. you know we love working with folks, um, you know, and change is going to be impacted by people,
0: yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm also on your website right now, and there is a tab called Directory, so we can actually find AWA-certified stuff.
2: You can. In the moment, we're just working on a new website because when we built it, we were sort of slightly budgeted, and somebody said it's absolutely awful and you need to improve it. So they're
0: helping us do that. Perfect. Um, Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash a greener world. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food. And I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to iwanttogarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or iwanttogarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together.
1: Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams.
0: Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation And start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.